Attention sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If you don't have a barrier, whether it's a steel barrier or a concrete wall, substantial and strong, uh, you're never going to solve this problem. National emergency is going through Congress because that already went through Congress. That's what's there for it. If you read it, it is so clear, it is so perfect. I'd rather not do it, not for any particular reason, other than this should be easy to get approved through Congress. It's not a money thing, it's a political thing. Uh, they look at the 2020 race and they're not feeling too good about it. They'll do whatever they can to win. We're not going anywhere. We're not changing our mind because there's nothing to change your mind about. The wall works. It's not a question like, well, maybe it won't work. It'll work 100%. Now we're adding onto that equipment to find drugs that are hidden in cars. I mean, we have this incredible equipment. I'm prepared for anything. And now, Stacy Washington. Well, it's Friday. Welcome to the program. And um, we have so much for you today. We have so much content planned. And we also have, obviously, I'm, I'm just looking out the window here and seeing massive amounts of weather coming down. Again, I entreat Al Gore to find the climate change I was promised and send it my way. Not that I don't love winter and not that I don't love the images that we all post to Instagram when we have the snow coming down, but as it's coming down and accumulating and piling up and I'm thinking about how much time we're going to spend scraping our driveway and uh, sidewalks and everything else, I'm really feeling like I should have been given the global warming I was promised. It'd be fantastic to be wearing shorts right now instead of doing this. Um... So maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. Sorry, Al Gore. Welcome to the program. We are broadcasting here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk, coming live and direct to you from the heart of the country in the Midwest. And uh, we're so glad to be here. We have a wonderful guest, Rena Shaw. She's the co-founder of Women's Public Leadership Network. She's going to come on and talk to us about, according to my associate producer, news of the day. And we're going to chat with her and, and kind of just check in and it's going to be a little bit more relaxed, obviously. It's the weekend, and uh, it's Friday. It's the precursor to the weekend, and we're super happy about that. We do have some really wonderful updates via the president. I, I encourage you, if you're, you don't have to be an actual Instagram user, to go to Instagram and type in real Donald Trump and pull up his Instagram page, and you can find this wonderful little video that he did from the border yesterday where... He's talking about the fact that liberals and all of those guys are calling the wall medieval. And he says wheels are medieval too. Wheels have been around longer than walls. Now, that's debatable, but you see the point he's making. Wheels are, are a medieval invention, yet we still use those. He even went so far as to say you find wheels on the most expensive cars because they haven't upgraded it. You, you, they haven't found something better than the wheel uh, to propel things along on our roads. And he's right. Walls work. A good fence is a good neighbor. And he's winning the argument here. And, and I kind of thought he would. The Democrats are doing their best, but they're not winning on this because if you have a fence around your yard, any portion of your yard, if you have a little dog run that you use for your, your pets, you know that fences guide behavior and they're fantastic for making things work, for really softening relations between neighbors really making uh, a, a point that words can't make. Uh, and, and that's the other part that I think is really important for us to start to accept, which is 
just because we choose to be law abiding because we're operating from a moral center, fear of the Lord, uh, you know, fear of, of the wrath of the law. It doesn't mean other people will. Sometimes the payoff for breaking the law is so much greater than the payoff for staying within it. And if you're from Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico, breaking our immigration laws and possibly being deported after you've lived here for 30 years and used government services and earned 50 grand a year in free money and sent your kids to school here and had a few more kids that are American citizens because you stole your way into the country, sounds like it's probably worth the risk of breaking the law. And I think some of us don't understand that. And I'm not talking about the hardcore Democrats. I'm talking about people who genuinely feel like there's got to be some happy medium where we don't have a wall and we don't have a border, but people still obey our laws. That is a utopia that it's a fantasy that will never occur. And we have to be cognizant of that. So we're going to be getting into that and so much more. I'm going to speak to Rena Sean next segment. Uh, I want to play this audio that I promised from yesterday. For, uh, it'll be in the third segment when we take your calls. And you'll be able to talk about whatever you want, any topic, open line Friday, if you will, uh, at 866-963-2037. And um, we're also going to hear a joke about morning people in the third segment. It's going to be super fun because uh, I want to keep things a little more lighthearted. And today on the program, we will also delve into, because I do often talk about uh, marriage and culture here on the program. Jeff Bezos announcing that he's divorcing his wife of 25 years, the woman who helped him create Amazon, the woman who was there with him through all of the lows and, and the creative points, the, the support mechanism for him to build a family. They have children together. He's divorcing her to uh, continue to have an adulterous affair with his neighbor. They own homes in Seattle, but they also own homes all over the world, really. And they're neighbors with these people in Seattle, and it's another super rich couple. So there's some lessons to be learned here, and we're going to talk about that. Not because we're taking pleasure in it. It's the opposite for me. I think it's uh, an amount of devastation that the Page Six and New York News and all of those uh, gossip rags in, in uh, Manhattan, they're, not, they're, they're just gleeful that they have a really good story that people will pick up a copy of their magazine for. But what's happening at the Bezos house is that there's a woman who's been devastated, run over. It, it probably, in her feelings, she'd rather that she'd been run over by a literal truck as opposed to what she's enduring right now. The public humiliation and breakup that she has to go through because her husband has chosen a path, a destructive path that will not benefit him in the long run, nor her, nor their children. So we'll talk about that. And, and the reason primary reason why I'm bringing it up here on the radio, on the program, is not to engage in anything salacious. We're not going to talk about any of the details. That's, that's you know, the, the, the parts that everyone's focusing on, that's a sideshow. The main show is the fact that the media keeps calling this their breakup, the elimination of their marriage. And really, it's, it's the destruction of the marital bonds between them, but the marriage remains, right? Because, you know, it's a covenant, before God, uh, they're doing it, he's doing it, and they're covering for him. The media is covering for Jeff Bezos by calling his relationship outside of his marriage dating. And so we're going to discuss why it's not dating. He can't date another woman while he's married. And what we can do to kind of just, we have to keep it in our minds that it's so important for us to protect our marriages and uh, we, we're going to talk about all of that. So right now I want to get to Psalm 73. 
Yesterday we had a caller who said Psalm 37 rocks, but how about Psalm 73? And I couldn't agree more. In Psalm 73, Psalms 73 through 89 actually cover the tragedy of the wicked and the blessedness of trust in God. And there is no better way to go out on, into the weekend than rejoicing in the fact that we have just a couple of choices before us, really. We can trust God. And what we see in the natural is obviously, it, it's the truth, obviously. We, we're not denying the reality of any situation. But we also know that we serve an awesome God who is ready and waiting to attend to our cry. And there's tragedy and wickedness because it appears on the surface to be so beneficial, to be so pleasurable, to be so, uh, it advances you, the wickedness. That's what it looks like. But in the end, it's a tragedy because all of that's a falsehood. It's a trap. It's a snare. And in the end, the only ones who will inherit the earth will be those who place their trust in Jesus Christ and lived for him. So listen to this. It's, it's so good. Truly God is good to Israel to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocent for all day long. I've been plagued and chastened every morning. Now I'm going to skip through cause he's pretty vexed, but this is where I find the encouragement and we're going to skip down to, um, 23. So Psalm 73, verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. So we are to be encouraged by the fact that we can trust in God and we can rely on him and we can go to him with our problems. And when we see the wicked flourishing, we know it's only for a time and that God's justice is true and it is sure it will come to pass that all will be judged and everyone will receive recompense for whatever they have engaged in the good and the bad. And that's pretty encouraging. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so Psalm 73, check it out for yourself, meditate on it for the weekend. And also, you know, when you're unplugging from your devices over the weekend and spending time with family, share that with uh, anyone who's feeling discouraged or as if someone in their life who is not in the right is prevailing over them, that God's not done yet. And he has so much goodness and mercy for us stored up 
that we can access when we trust in him. So now I want to pivot over to this mashup. I actually was going to play you clips and it was going to be pretty involved of all of the different ones that we could find. Uh, Senators, all of them Democrats, congressmen, Democrats, saying that walls are good, saying that borders are good. But I didn't have to because the Washington Free Beacon took the extra steps of mashing them up for us. So I have a list of the people who've said this, and, and it grows by the day. Every day, Democrats are going on TV, probably pushed by constituent calls, saying, look, you know, we're not actually against walls because they're trying to temper the rhetoric coming from Nancy Pelosi. Um, it's not, they're not winning on this. And I'm, I'm glad to see it because sometimes you wonder, is, is no one left that has any common sense? Yes, there are some common sense Americans left in this country. So here is this mashup from the Washington Free Beacon saying it, it, a barrier is okay, even good at the southern border. It's number three. Personally, I don't think a fence, if it works, if it's what DHS says is most needed, is immoral. The room for a deal is that there's got to be some give and take. Some kind of fencing is always part of the equation. There's, there are places where barriers make sense. Increased use of technology and, yes, fencing where there are vulnerabilities. We will support all of this elements, including fences. There are areas along the border where there are currently uh, fences that are put up or barriers that are put up uh, that need to be enhanced. Well, I can tell you we've had fencing in the past. I'm sure we will in the future. It uh, some fencing is useless. Some barriers are useful. Certainly you need barriers. And you can have border security that's a combination of physical barriers. Um, if we have a partial wall, um, if we have fencing, all of that is fine. I, I, you know, I think there are parts of the border that would benefit from uh, repairing fencing and other barricades that already exist there. We have barriers on the southern border at different places. Certain physical barriers can make sense along the border. There are places where wall makes sense. Hmm. So did that sound to you like a bunch of people who think the wall is immoral? Or if they do, they haven't gotten the message yet. They're actually demonstrating what we all know to be the truth, which is the reason San Diego flourishes and has such low crime, the reason it's such a beautiful city. I mean, obviously it's in California on the coast, but it's because they built a wall there decades ago. And why did they build it? Because back when the Democrats were all about the working man, Union types were sick of being undercut by illegal immigrant labor, and so they lobbied for the wall, and the Democrats gave it to them. All right, when we get back, we're going to have our first guest for you. Stay there. Who said this? Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman president of American Family Association and American Family Radio, I was quoting none other than George Washington, our first president and father of our country, who said specifically that religion and morality are indispensable supports for our government and our culture. We're going to be going to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington, in June and September. If you'd like more information on this, please go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. We'll also be going to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. If you'd like to do both tours or one or the other, that's fine. For all the information, again, June and September, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. We'd love to have you. 
during these 2019 tours. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Have you ever been told that what you wanted to do would not work, that it wasn't of God? Years ago, when I began my ministry, a wise pastor gave me some great advice. He said, Crawford, don't ever let anybody discourage you. If you believe that God wants you to do these things and he's placed a vision on your heart, you pursue it. People will disappoint you. Some will even take an adversarial posture for whatever reason. But you continue to pursue what God placed on your heart. Certainly, we're not always right about what God says to us. Our human perspective is limited. Gamaliel reminds us of this in Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. This new thing called the church tremendously intimidated the religious establishment. Thousands of people were being converted to Christ. The religious leaders wrongly felt they had to put a stop to this. Gamaliel was a respected and prominent Pharisee, and people listened to what this wise man had to say. Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. Gamaliel says, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Through the years, I've learned to appreciate the barriers and the boundaries of my humanity. I I try to be very careful not to say what is of God and what is not of God. God holds the final decision, and he's the one that knows the beginning from the end. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Seek to encourage and give wise counsel, but don't trespass the limitations of your knowledge. You may be attacking the very thing God wants done. More information about the ministry of Crawford Lorenz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here today. Follow all of our online social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Stacy on the right is where you can find me, Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. You can find all of that on Facebook as well. And hit the subscribe button, the follow button, hit get notifications, do all that stuff. If you're on those and if you're not, thanks for being here on the radio. We appreciate that as well. And we're so excited to have any of the opportunities to speak to you and spread the message here uh, for our mission of bringing out the gospel of Jesus Christ in a Christian worldview. And so right now, I'm really excited to speak to Rena Shaw. She's a co-founder of Women's Public Leadership Network. She's a political strategist. Rena, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, Stacey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So uh, Dimitri says we're talking news of the day. And news of the day mainly is immigration, obviously, the wall, the border, all of that. Um, What's your take on where we find ourselves right now? You know, just a couple of weeks into the new year, the House is now controlled by the Democrats. And we're seeing a lot of brouhaha over something that has been voted on successfully by both parties every single time they've been in session. But now that it's President Trump asking, there seems to be a bit of a problem. Sure. I think, uh, you know, obviously this has dominated all the news headlines, as it rightfully should. Everything that happens in Washington affects our lives in a way that, you know, sometimes the average American, we don't, we don't really sit there and think about it, that everything in Washington has an effect, whether in the short term or long term. It has a way on how we treat each other 
and and really move forward as, as citizens of a really great land. So I am really, really, um, <laughs> there's no better word than upset to say where we are today. It seems like we are in such a partisan moment. I really like what you started with by saying that this is something that both sides have talked about in the past. We know now the infamous comments by Chuck Schumer uh, from 2009, where he he agreed about securing our border. President Obama also said that there's a humanitarian crisis at our border. So where we are in this very moment is just very divided. And I think it's it's a fair assessment to say that because it's the president asking this time, it seems to be a major issue. Democrats do not want to back down from the fact that they are opposed to him and remain opposed to him on pretty much every single thing he says. So in this moment, I I don't agree. I have to be honest. I don't agree with the wall. Um, I think there are better things we can do than a physical barrier at our southern border. And I think I would like to see those things be cheaper. I'd like to see those things be high tech. Um, And I'd also like for us to have a real honest conversation about immigration and us being Americans of every type across the ideological spectrum. I just fear that the moment that we're in and our elected leaders where they've taken us is a place where we are too divided as a country to come to a solution quickly on this issue of border security. So uh, if we don't, I'm just going with what you've just shared. If you don't want a wall, which we've seen works in San Diego, it works in McAllen, Texas, it works in uh, the parts of the border that have a barrier, whether it's wall or fencing, those areas do not have illegal crossings. The areas that are wide open where they have, you know, literally destroyed hundreds of thousands of acres of our uh, protected lands that are supposed to be set aside for parks and renewal, those areas have been rutted out and there, there is, it's turning into sand as opposed to, um, you know, arid grasslands with trees and forests and things like that because of, we actually have people from south of the border driving vehicles into this country. Um, there's also the prevalence of sexual trafficking and human trafficking and the amount of drugs that the Senatola uh, cartel, the drug cartel, ships into this country. And so uh, I'm wondering, because you are a, a leader of a women's public leadership network, and I, I would assume that you would be very concerned about women and young girls being sexually trafficked into this country and living in forced sexual servitude, that you would want to put a stop to that. And the most efficient way of doing that is to put up a physical barrier to, to force people to enter our country through our legal ports of entry. So what do you suggest in the place of what already works? What, what could possibly work better? Well, I think you make a good point about being concerned about people coming over who are harming Americans, who have you know, ill will, and who are bad actors. That happens in every society. And we certainly want to keep every American safe, not just our young girls and those who, you know, could be trafficked. We know that uh, sexual trafficking is a problem in even states like Ohio, which neighbor the state that I grew up in, West Virginia. I want to make sure that we talk about this through the lens of compassionate conservatism as well. There is a lot of information out there. There's a lot of misinformation. I think you say some good facts that border walls have helped in certain parts um, there, down in California and certain parts. Uh, but I don't think it's an end-all, be-all Band-Aid solution. And I'm afraid that as we talk about the physical barrier, what has happened is that we have stopped sort of understanding the plight of those who come seeking asylum. So that's where I'm at in the, in the sort of middle of all this, why I don't think a border wall would work sort of 
why I started thinking this way is when I read um, an article back in 2017, so now almost two years ago, it was published in Reason Magazine, and it was commentary by a gentleman named David Steiner, and it's a blood cluster. An incredible Institute. Okay, we're interested in reading this. It, it makes a tr- an incredible argument as to why um, it, it's a legal, practical, and economic, as well as a moral case against that barrier. Uh, well, I, I'm, barrier, I understand where you're coming from. I'm asking you what works in, in place of the wall. What Instead of a wall, what should we do then? Because we have to stop 55,000 people from crossing our border illegally every month. 55,000 people a month is too many illegal crossings. I, I just don't know anyone compassionate or uncompassionate, Democrat or Republican, who would be okay with a, a, an equivalent percentage bombarding your personal residence every month. You would not put up with that. And as a country, we can't put up with it because we can't afford to pay for the, the outsized costs that come along with illegal aliens entering our country and staying here. Um, and I don't think it's I'm about with being you. compassionate. I'm the daughter of legal immigrants, you know, so I take, I, you know, it takes great offense to people that come here and stay here, break our laws. And it's the people who come here legally, they pay a lot of money to do so. Right. And so, so what do we do instead? There, no really wall. So what, about stopping. Yeah. <laughs> illegal. So that's, that's fantastic. Know? But what, what exactly would you propose? Because I, I, I balk a little when I hear mm-hmm. you quoting articles from Cato. Cato is for illegal migration. They advocate for it. I had one of their think tank analysts who used to come on the show regularly. He came on and told me that the the fact that most Americans want to see lawful immigration lowered a bit and they don't want any illegal migration is something that should be ignored because think, think tank analysts and policy analysts and people who know better than regular Americans are better equipped to make decisions about our immigration policies than voters. And so that's when I stopped no, really they, subscribing they, to things that Cato puts out about immigration. I think that's a fair point, Stacey. But, you know, to be honest, and, and I'm with you, we, we, the American people, should have a say. But I do think the work of think tank can help guide us in a direction. And, and what I read in that report that I, I quoted earlier, why a wall won't work, is because it brings up solid points about that physical barrier. And it talks about, you know, research it's really showing where wire mesh has been used and, and certain, uh, you know, different types of aesthetic looks that, that have tried to stop illegal crossings. But the, the likelihood of this physical barrier that this administration is talking about right now actually helping to cut. So I, I do agree. Number one, I do think we'll see a drastic cut. If the physical barrier is erected, we will see a, a huge cut in the number of illegal crossings. But let, that's not to say it won't happen at all. What about tunnels? They can get under a physical barrier. That's not impossible because for a full thousand miles, 30-foot wall that the president has talked about, an estimate from MIT said it would be 312 Billion. That's 30, 31.2 million per mile. And yeah. the cost, the cost is why I'm really, really worried we can't get this right. I don't okay, think so I'm, you, if you, you said 30, 30, how many billions for the entire, the part, the part that's unfenced, if it were fenced with 30 foot concrete barrier that went five feet underground to prevent tunneling and 30 feet above or 25 feet above, that would be how much? 33 billion? 
Well, that part, I don't, I don't have the exact number on that, what you're describing. I think that's a more recent estimate. This quote from MIP a while ago now, so this was part of that 2017 read, I read at the time, because of what the president was proposing, was a full 1,000 miles and a 30-foot wall. And, and I think at that time, it was a 10-foot tunnel barrier. That would cost $31.2 billion. Okay, and, and so $31.2 billion, is- just, just so we can keep things in perspective, on a multiple trillion sure. dollar federal budget... 31 billion, let's just round it up and say 40 billion, is less than half what, of what we spend on a yearly basis at 130 billion. Uh, 130 billion we spend a year on illegal aliens, their support, care, educating their children, et cetera, et cetera. Public services, the impact on every part of our society, the, the most recent estimate that I've seen is 135 billion a year. So I think 35 billion, I, I think. If he said the wall cost $100 billion, I would say, let's do it. I actually would. And I think a lot of Americans, a lot of Americans would, because I think that what we're kind of glossing over, what we haven't touched on, because we've we've talked about the people who are illegally trafficked into this country, the sexual slavery, but we haven't talked about the people who've been run out of business because their identities have been stolen by illegal aliens. We haven't talked about the angel moms and dads who've lost their kids. I'm sure they'd say... One trillion dollars and build a wall. They they would say there is no cost that is too great to prevent another family from losing their child or their husband or their wife or whole families who've been killed by drunk driving illegal aliens. Or perhaps Kate Steinle's dad would say the wall is worth seventeen trillion dollars to him because he doesn't have Kate Steinle anymore. And I can't imagine what cost I would put on it, Rena. I, I to be honest with you, if I thought it meant the life of one of my children. I would say there is no cost that's too great for a country with our GDP and our ability to tax and spend and borrow. In our country where there is no limit to what we can do militarily, governmentally, in taxation, in creative market, in the business realm, in the tax realm, there is no amount of money that would be too great, in my opinion, to prevent one more family from having to wake up every day without their son or their daughter because an illegal alien was here who'd been deported multiple times and came back in again and killed. The murders, the beheadings, the MS-13 gang activity, the black students who are being run out of their high schools by roving gangs of Mexican students who are now there taking over their high schools in California. We have untold amounts of carnage going on in this country that's not being paid attention to. It doesn't get onto the news. And when I hear someone say, you know, five billion dollars, which is 0.11% of our annual budget here uh, as a nation. So less than 1% is too much. $5 billion is too much for a little bit of wall. $25 billion is too much for a wall. But we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars watching hamsters fight. We, we fund that. We fund all kinds of crazy things that should be an atrocity. Yeah. And so there's, there's really, I, I, I would totally, I'm, I'm a budget hawk. I believe we need to make government smaller. I need, we need to reduce fraud, waste, and abuse. But I a agree. lot of the things that we pay for are not constitutionally mandated for the federal government. Immigration is. Maintaining the border, securing the nation, defending the homeland, those are all constitutionally mandated items that are the responsibility of the federal government. And Congress has remanded immigration specifically to the office of the presidency. And Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and every other leader in the Democratic Party, including Nancy Pelosi, have all said that we have a crisis at the southern border and that it needs to be fixed. And so I just don't see how we don't all have unity on wanting to, first of all, put a barrier there 
and then use more technology, drones, more officers, uh, better facial recognition technology, anything we can throw at it, the kitchen sink. Because as I often hear from Democrats when we talk about gun control, when they're trying to get their hands on my AR-15, if just one child's life can be saved, so if just one child could not Mm -hmm. be sexually trafficked, if one little girl who's from Guatemala can wake up tomorrow and not be in the sex trade, if she can just be with her family back in Guatemala because her parents didn't drag her 1,400 miles and pay a coyote $9,000 for him to trick them and sell her into sexual slavery, if just one child could be saved, then $17 trillion for the wall would perfectly be fine with me. I'd even be okay with a tax increase or maybe funding it separately through a GoFundMe account like so many of us have donated to over the past you know, few months since those things have become popular. Really, I, I, just, yeah. I think we should all be yeah. in unison over it. I, th- I really admire what you're saying about, you know, really just stopping this, even if it's one life that we're, uh, you know, affecting, because that, that is what we care about as a country, right? Individual life is so very much valued here. And that's what makes this entire debate so difficult, right? Because those families that you talked about, this is important to them. And and being a budget hawk, right, this is, I fear that we're just getting into a point of endless spending, and we're not really entirely looking at the facts. And I, I, I see what you're saying. I hear you on a number of the things that you talked about in terms of the families affected by these illegal immigrants who've been here, who've, who've committed crimes. But when we look at certain parts of the border, certain facts, there's CBP data that tells us that the number of people that agents have caught has decreased across the board, not just in the area where the government constructed barriers. And I don't know that we, in the public, you know, we just lay people, we are getting all the facts to make the best decision. And sometimes this administration doesn't give us the facts. Oh, well, I I actually, Rena, I'm excited because um, I think they feel like that's a consensus out in the world today, the the Trump administration. And they have been so good. They've created a uh, border security and humanitarian crisis briefing that was originally created by the Department of Homeland Security to present to uh, Democrats and Republicans in Congress and in the Senate so that they could actually be up to date with the same facts that are coming from our government, obviously collected from raw data from the agencies that patrol the border. And we have a slideshow presentation on that that is posted on Politico.com. I also have a fact sheet of information that I've been posting on my Facebook page, Stacy on the Right, that kind of disagrees with you on the decrease in number of apprehensions. We have a surge in illegal entry. But I would encourage you to use the government statistics and data. data. No, I would encourage you to use use the data that's been provided by our government to kind of bring your information up to date. And um, it's just been so fantastic to talk to you. I appreciate the calm, level-headed conversation. Rena Shaw, co-founder of Women's Public Leadership Network. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be right back with more after this. St. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember in the Word when Jesus was responding to Satan's antics? When Satan was trying to tempt Jesus with food, Jesus responded with himself. He responded with the Word. There are no new tricks in Satan's book. At the end of the day, his job is to create fear and doubt, and you know, steal, kill, and destroy. So if Jesus, who was fully God, responded to Satan with the Word, why do we think that we can get along without the Word? The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. 
Equip yourself with the word daily and watch your response to Satan's foolishness change. One of my coworkers, Pastor Joseph Parker, teaches that it's good to read at least three chapters a day. Sounds good to me. Today is a good day to start. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. I'm not so certain we have as much time as many of us think. It's high time for the body of Christ to return with a fire lit up under us to proclaim in the truth of God's word, to proclaim the truth of sin and repentance and not coming from a high lofty position, but telling the truth as such were some of us. We have to do that. We have to. But what happens is, and I, I call this first world problem, uh, we have this epidemic of churchianity in America to where we are far more accepting and far more willing to embrace the trappings of church life, even if they're void of the presence and power and fire of Christ. And I would say to you, just as the Bible says, that we can have a form of godliness while simultaneously, at the exact same time, deny the very power of the gospel. Of the gospel. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on Urban Family Talk. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. An anonymous Twitter user thought he'd really stick it to freshman Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez by posting a video from her college days and saying America's favorite commie know-it-all, acting like the clueless nitwit she is. And what was she doing? She was dancing. And it turns out she's a pretty good dancer. This totally backfired because lots of people love the video of her dancing. She talked about Republicans drooling over the video. And then she posted her own video doing a little dance number in the halls of Congress. So when conservatives go after her on personal style, it almost always blows up in their faces. Now, there's a lot to criticize. She makes a lot of misstatements about government. She went on 60 Minutes over the weekend and talked about taxing some millionaires as much as 60 or 70 percent of their income to fund her environmental agenda. It would be smarter for her critics to go after her on substance rather than making fun of her clothes or her dancing ability. That just does not work. With your Media Minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. All state that this is a manufactured crisis and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. This is a manufactured crisis, Bill. How he manufactures crises like immigrants seeking legal refuge. What the president is doing is manufacturing a crisis. President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage. Let's stop manufacturing a crisis. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office to manufacture a crisis. Folks, the president has manufactured one heck of a political crisis for himself. Donald Trump is manufacturing a national security crisis. You will hear them say is that this is a manufactured crisis. It's not a national security crisis. From Nancy Pelosi down to Debbie Wasserman Schultz or anybody else who will give him a dime for this project. Because so it's nothing manufactured. It's a manufactured crisis for the president to get a political win. We have a president who will go on TV tonight and lie and lie and lie some more. This is a manufactured crisis. So that's right before the president took the, you know, to the camera in the Oval Office to talk about what was going on at the southern border, they started parroting the words manufactured crisis. And they just kept doing it for days on end. They're still saying it. Now, I don't know how children being sexually trafficked can be a manufactured crisis, but I want to give you this information that we have from the White House. And when I say from the White House, this isn't from their comms team. This is information. It's actually 
put out by the White House press office, but it comes via the Department of Homeland Security. So this is a serious agency that's populated by, by career public servants to include people who voted for Hillary Clinton and are hardcore Democrats. And they came together to put together this report. It has zero to do with partisanship or the idea that there's uh, something that needs to be done that will help one side win or the other, unless the sides we're talking about are little boys and girls who shouldn't know anything about sex, who are currently being forced into sexual slavery. And I can't stress it enough. Um, you know, I, I oftentimes will feel like, you know, I just have a burning rage going on and I just want to yell, you know, it, I'm a human being just like anybody else. And this is one of those issues that makes, I just want to yell and go down to our lower level and punch the punching bag until my hands can't hold anything anymore because I just can't stand the idea that we're arguing over semantics, whether or not we need a border barrier while we have children being forced to have sex with grownups in our country. And it's because we don't secure our border. Someone is going to answer for that at the judgment seat. And remember what the Bible says about condoning sin. It's as if you're doing it yourself. It says if you're doing it yourself. So my job here is not to scream and yell and punch punching bags. It's to give you information. And that's what we're going to do on this beautiful, snowy Midwestern Friday. This briefing is called the Border Security and Humanitarian Crisis. And we're going to go over the top level points. And while we're doing that, I'm going to have the slideshow up here for you to look at. And um, this is this is important. This is super important. So first of all, we have increasing drug levels. Okay. A dramatic spike in illegal drugs at the southern border makes clear that we need an effective barrier. We have dangerous criminals, gang members, and suspected terrorists coming in. 17,000 adults at the southern border with existing criminal records were arrested by CBP in fiscal, fiscal year 18. 3,755 known or suspected terrorists were prevented from traveling into the United States in fiscal year 17. And 6,000 gang members, including MS-13, were apprehended at the southern border and removed by ICE. Each year, criminal organizations gain $2.5 billion in profit from migrant smuggling. These are people, they're smuggling, they're paying, they're making money. Now, we have overwhelmed our resources, we're, whether we're talking about detention centers, places for family units to stay. We have 60,000 unaccompanied children arriving in fiscal year 2018, which is an increase of 25%, which goes against the last guest saying that we have fewer apprehensions. We have 161,000 family units arriving in fiscal year 18, an increase of 50%. To put those numbers in perspective, the population of the city of St. Louis is 315,000. So greater than 50% of the population of the city of St. Louis entered into the country, the United States of America, in fiscal year 18. Family units numbering 161,000. Over the last five years, we've seen a 2,000% increase in asylum claims, yet 72% of migrants report making the journey for economic reasons and therefore would not typically qualify for asylum. The other statistic is that this over 90% of asylum claims are denied, and but they can't the people aren't deported immediately because once they've been released into the country, DHS has no way of finding them to execute the deportation orders, which is why we have ICE deporting people that are found to be here illegally because they're living here and working here and using our services. But they've actually not gotten approval to be here as asylees. The dangerous journey adds to a humanitarian crisis. And this is what puts the stark, stark perspective on why we need the wall. 
if a wall is there, a physical barrier, and people know they can't tunnel under it or the likelihood of them tunneling under it is extraordinarily difficult and they can't catapult themselves over it or climb it or somehow breach it, then far fewer people will come to the southern border. 50 migrants per day are referred to medical providers. 4,300 people in distress are rescued by CBP every year. 31% of the women and 17% of the men are sexually assaulted on the journey north. This is the Congressional Border Security Briefing. Staggering numbers of sick people are crossing the border each year. And flu season, couple those two things together, and we have an outstanding crisis at our medical centers across the country, but specifically in the South. Large populations are abused on the journey. Seven in 10 are victims of violence during the journey. So the solutions are to fund the wall, amend TVPRA, which is allowing the U.S. government to treat unaccompanied alien children the same no matter where they come from, and override the Flores Settlement Agreement, which would allow the U.S. government to keep parents and children together for the duration of their immigration proceedings, which would mean they would not have to disappear into the interior of the country and become, they're, they're, they're leeching off of our public services. Now, for people who feel like, you know, I don't have any compassion, I don't care, how do you care? I, I, I mean, if we're talking about who cares about what, please tell me how you care more than I do when you're okay with the sexual trafficking, the violence, the rapes, that these people themselves, the ones you claim to care so much about, who are so much better than American citizens, they're more American than Americans, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The Democrats see these people as perfect constituents because they don't want to learn how to speak English. They're just here to work and send money back to their home countries. They want to be here because they can get jobs and they can make a living and they can be in America. It's safer here. When some of them commit crimes, well, those are just raw numbers. But how do you care more than I do if you're okay with every single day, the rapes, the degradation, the sickness, the disease, and all of the other offshoots? The unintended consequence of illegal immigration is that a lot of people in this country truly hate Hispanics, Mexicans, anyone who doesn't speak with perfect English. They immediately don't trust them and think they're some kind of a criminal. There are many millions of people here who travel to this country, who may have an accent of some kind, who are not illegal aliens. They're in the country lawfully, and they deserve every opportunity to experience America in the way that, they, that we do because they're here lawfully. But those people, the unintended consequence of this outsized immigration problem that we have is those people are thought of and seen wrongly by Lots of people, and, and it's not just, I'm not talking about white people. I'm talking about people. It doesn't matter what your permanent tan status is. If you know anything about the situation at our southern border, you understand that there's danger, that this is a dangerous and increasingly dangerous situation that continues to harm lawful American citizens. And then there's all of the lies. And I, I was very happy to speak to Rena Shaw, but I was kind of disappointed that she was saying some things um, that they're, they're talking points for the left uh, about, you know, the lower number of apprehensions. That These are not true things. The things she was saying weren't true. She insinuated that some of my facts were true, but that some of them weren't. But I, I don't have a, a, another source to get this information from when it's so easy for me to just use the information that the Department of Homeland Security has created, the briefing they created for congressmen. Remember, it's a felony to lie to Congress. So 
If this was a made-up document, then you, you know Mueller's just looking for people to prosecute for lying. He's looking for anybody he can put pin the tail on the donkey for to, to validate his existence and spending millions of dollars of money. So everyone's on edge about being factual and truthful when they're speaking to congressional committees and presenting information. But it goes beyond that. I, I, I truly feel as if people who want to argue about the semantics— not only do they not care about the kids, they don't care about the angel parents, they don't care about the moms and dads who are literally just, just thinking about it. If you're a parent, it, it makes the back of your eyeballs burn because you want to cry because just the thought of not being with your child anymore is so devastating. It's so, it's so awful. You do anything to prevent that. And so why would we as a country, why would we spend $135 billion on illegal immigration on a, on a yearly basis on illegal aliens being in this country, when we have all of these multiple tens of millions of U.S. Army, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard veterans who served us in every capacity, they're suffering from PTSD, they're on the streets, they don't have anywhere to live, uh, they're homeless, they're, they're going through all kinds of challenges that we could easily rectify if we just put our priorities in order. So does that mean that we don't help uh, South Americans and at any, of course not. We're sending billions of dollars down there right now, but there's a better way to fix the situation in South America. And it doesn't involve everybody on this hemisphere coming and living in America. It simply doesn't. And I'm unwilling to accept the excuses any longer. They're just good people trying to find a better life. So their better life is worth kids being sexually trafficked. It's time for us to start really putting the stark realities of what's going on down there to the people who continually parrot these wrongheaded and distracting statements about immigration. I just think it's, it, it is utterly dastardly and ridiculous that people wish to engage in these kinds of silly, spurious arguments. And I'll say this. I don't, I don't know if I got to this yesterday. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I believe the reason why the Democrats have been so open and honest about the border in previous administrations is because they knew nothing was going to be done about it. And now they've got Donald Trump in the White House, and they know if they authorize the money, the wall will get built. And they know if the wall gets built, their funnel of voter base, people who won't hold them accountable for their failed policies, that that will end. And many, many Republicans who are in big business who want cheaper labor, compliant labor, they also see this as a problem. And that's why we're seeing such a huge fight. And, and the other reason we're seeing a huge fight on this, and this is where the ignorant people get a pass because they don't, they don't even realize they're, they're helping. Every person who advocates for illegal immigration is actually doing the bidding of the Senatola drug cartel. Because if there's anyone in South America who wants to see our border remain open so that they can continue to kill 70,000 Americans a year through opioid addiction, methamphetamine abuse, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to continue to destroy American lives so that they can make a buck or a peso or whatever they're getting paid. And I think they're getting paid in U.S. dollars. It's the drug cartels. So really, just like with every other issue we ever face in life, there's the truth and there's the lie. There's God and there's Satan. There's good, there's evil, there's right, and there's wrong. And if you're advocating for illegal immigration, you're advocating on behalf of drug cartels, smugglers, and people who recently, as we discussed yesterday on the show, 
burned 17 people to death and killed the others. There were four, there were 21 people total. So four people were killed the regular way with guns and everybody else was burned to death. And their bodies were left on the border between Mexico and the United States. They were sending a message. And so if that's the side you want to be on, I mean, by all means, continue to talk about intelligent means of securing the border and dragging the conversation out so kids can continue to be sexually abused. And other kids who've never done drugs, kids who have a bright future ahead of them, can have some nincompoop in their school, introduce them to methamphetamines or cocaine or heroin or something like that, and their lives can be ruined too. While the moms are at home on their knees praying to God for the salvation of their child or their child to finally, after the third or fourth or fifth rehab trip, be free of the addiction to cocaine, you just keep on chatting about how more intelligent means than a wall, because a wall is just medieval. You know, just keep advocating on behalf of those drug cartels. Just keep doing it. Please keep doing it because I don't have to see you. I'm not your judge. I'm not your jury. It's coming, but it's not me. But by all means, just let everybody be clear, like the joke about all of the Congress people and the senators being forced to wear shirts like NASCAR wears where all of the people who are sponsoring the cars, they put their logo on the shirts. And so every rider and every car, you know who paid for the car and you know who paid for the rider's salary and all that stuff. That's what we need. You're either Senatola drug cartel, throw the gang signs and be hardcore about it, or you're standing for the kids, the Guatemalan kids, the Honduran kids. You're standing for the moms. The moms who they can't argue about this issue because they're too busy crying over their child. You're arguing for the extended family members. Whole family mowed down by drunk driving illegal alien. Wear your Sinatola drug cartel logo proudly. Just don't act like we don't see you. We know who you're advocating for. The evildoers. You can't get away from it, so do it proudly. If you're leaving us now... God bless from the heartland. If not, you have one news now, news and information up next, and then I'll be back. Keep it here.